First preseason game is just two days away, and what do we want to see from this quarterback competition and beyond? This is the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the show, the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Also, broke our audio download record back-to-back days this week. Congratulations. Thank you very much for that. Anyway, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, hit the bell for updates whenever we release a new video, and of course, upvote the video itself. We'd appreciate it very much. Anyway, today we're going to talk about the quarterback competition. Surprise, surprise, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks, but we're going to look at it in a different way. With the scrimmage coming up, what do we want to see? What do we need to see? Because this is a vitally important scrimmage for both players. It really is. You want to talk about pressure on a 19-year-old? Take this Saturday. Luke Altmyer and Jackson Dart are both going to be feeling it. They might not be talking about it, but they're going to feel it. And this is what we want to see in that game. We've got breakdowns on our site. If you want to go to our YouTube channel, there's a breakdown on Jackson Dart and a breakdown on Luke Altmyer right now, if you want to look at it. And it explains how both of them could possibly win the job. Um, a high school coach out of Nashville broke that down and did all that. So thank you to Corey Burton for that. But what do we want to see in the first preseason game? I want to see from Luke Altmaier him push the issue a little bit. I want to see him take another step in his development. Because in in the spring practice, you had the whole thing where Jackson Dart was doing his gunslinger thing. Luke Altmaier was hitting backs, hitting tight ends, all near the line of scrimmage. Honestly, if you think about it, think very air raid. Um, of what Mike Leach's offense has become. That's what Luke Altmaier has been doing. But ever since then, and it's happened. Now, I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I want, I've been wanting to see him develop by going down the field more. I want to see him taking a little bit of chances. I want to see him having the confidence to make a throw to a wide receiver that's downfield. And he's taken a little bit of that step couple of deep passes. Now, a lot of that could be the coaches and how they draw up practice. They could draw up plays that are designed to give him confidence. They could draw up plays for Jackson Dart that are designed to fail, to knock him down a little bit. All of this happens in practice. That's the reason when I tell people, when you go out on the practice field and you try to make some kind of overarching view of what's happening and you see it, you might be wrong because you don't know the motivation and what was trying to be gained from each rep. Now, in a game, when you're actually playing, the rep for each time is just, you know, to win. You, you want to play to be successful. That's what you want from a game situation. But in practice, the calculus changes. You might have a guy you want to take down for a second. You might have a guy that you want to work on spin moves against. You want to see how he handles a spin. All of this can be scripted in 
All of this can be built into what is happening. And you can't, I mean, I've told you this for three, four weeks. You can't really judge off a of practice. You can't judge off a of spring game. You can't judge off a of practice because these guys have become experts in giving you something without giving you anything. The moment practices started appearing on TV was the moment that they really quit those public practice, quit showing you really anything special. You're not going to see any trick plays or anything fun. You're going to see the guys. You're going to see who looks good. You're going to watch Zach Evans run. You're going to watch Ulysses Bentley run. You're going to see Quinshawn Judkins run. You're going to see all the transfers out on the field as an individual run around. And that's what the scrimmage is for. This is for the fan. This is replacing Meet the Rebels, um, I think. And it gives the fans an opportunity to come out and see the team. To get fired up, to have conversations. Maybe, just maybe, buy season tickets. Hmm. Enjoy it. See what you got. Now, the goal from the athletic department and the football team and the fans are three different goals. Like the athletic department, this is a selling. This is a marketing opportunity for people to come out and see the team. And they're going to treat it as such. For the players, it's individual reps. It's it's really tunnel vision at this point because you're at that point in camp. By this scrimmage, you'll have one more week to have your basic identity established because I told you about the two most important weeks of camp. And so preseason game one, preseason game two is kind of where everything is built. Preseason game three is about polish. Preseason game four is about um, a final walkthrough. They go through and test their headsets, their communications, their operation, make sure the substitutions are right. That is what preseason game four is for. But I want to see Jackson Dart just run the offense. That, that's what I want to see for Jackson Dart. From Luke Altmaier, I want to see him come out and take a little bit more chances. I want to see him in a situation to where he's a little bit uncomfortable. I told you about um, the, my story about Jurgen Clemson the other day, about getting outside your comfort zone. Both quarterbacks need to do that. They need to strain a little bit to do that. I want to see a, a scrimmage from Jackson Dart one of these days that he's 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 for like 45 yards. I want to see nothing but him hitting checkdowns. I don't know if he can do that. I don't know if he's there yet, but that's what I want to see from him. The flip side of that from Luke Altmaier, I want to see a 2 out of 10. 2 out of 10 for like 87 yards and a touchdown. That's what I want to see out of him. I want to see him push it. This is a practice. This is a scrimmage. This is all about development. And who knows, when Luke Altmaier is on those big passes, he figures something out on those throws. Stuff like this is important. Stuff like this is a part of your identity as a team. And that's also the reason I tell you, don't root for a particular quarterback. Both have issues that they need to work on. Both can get the job done. In my breakdown video, I talked about Luke Altmaier and a pass to Jonathan Mingo in the Sugar Bowl where he shook off um, somebody rushing the passer, rolled out and threw just an absolute laser for about 35 yards. That was an SEC throw. He can get it done. He had better numbers as a true freshman than Eli Manning did as a redshirt freshman, both with extensive action in a bowl game.
don't make judgments. Let them compete. Root for a quarterback to clearly win the job. Don't root for a quarterback. That is the best advice I can give you. I mean, it's it sounds silly. It, it really does. It sounds silly. But that is the best advice that I can give you. Anyway, in the second segment today, we're going to talk a little bit about defense. We've been on the offensive side of the ball a lot lately. I want to go over to the other side of the ball. Um, and in the third segment, we're going to have John Garcia come by talking about some recruiting. It's pretty good. I'm pretty pretty excited about that. Unless unless technology gets us, because I have not recorded that interview yet, just yet. But we have um, Kara McCutcheon coming back too, but so she would replace him if there's a problem. So it's either going to be John Garcia in the third segment or Kara McCutcheon, and you guys get to wait and find out. So I'm excited about this team. I mean, it is pretty obvious whenever I'm talking that I am excited about this team. I've seen a lot of film. I told you, eight hours a day for 15 years. A lot of film. So I know what it looks like. And this team has a look. Now, like I said, it's one thing to be talented. It's another thing to be good. And this team has a long way to go to be good. And I did say that this team could go five and seven or 10 and two, or anywhere in between. It all depends on this quarterback competition. That's the reason I say root for a quarterback to clearly win the job. But they have a chance to be really good. They have a chance to be okay. They have a chance to be meh. But they have a chance to be really good as well. So we're going to have fun talking about that. Um, but first, I do want to tell you about Built Bar. Let me introduce you to your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs. Have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. I'm not sure you can make it. Plus, it is healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. Run to Bilt.com and snag a box for you and your family. It will be perfect, the perfect treat, or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself. Like all Bilt Bars, the new Cookie Dough Chunk Puff is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate-covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. So good. So this is what I want you to do. Go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCK15, all one word. That's promo code LOCK15. And get 15% off at built.com. Again, lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast. Do us a favor and rate and review us on iTunes and Spotify. Make it a five star review. You can say whatever you want to say, just make it a five star review. That'll help others that are interested in finding the podcast do so. You guys are doing a fantastic job of it as it is now because the last two days we have broken the audio download record. So the podcast portion of the show is actually really growing too. And of course, we were um, listed as a top 10 in the Locked On Network um, YouTube show last month. So congratulations. Give yourself a round of applause for that. Anyway, 
So what I want to talk about next is the defense. And specifically, why do they get overlooked occasionally? People have talked about it, and you hear things all the time like they have a chance to be good, and they could be good, and but you don't necessarily hear they will be good. They're going to have a good defense. And, and why is that? I think the transfers affect that a little bit. I think that their knowledge of the defense is so slight they don't really know what good is, maybe. I don't know. The 3-2-6 is a relatively new invention in college football. Watch John Haycock. Um, Barry Odom has taken over it um, at Arkansas. He does something real similar. Ole Miss has followed suit. Um, I don't know this for a fact. I don't know anything of it, but I think that this change over to the 3-2-6 is one of the reasons DJ Durkin left because it wasn't his defense. And we'll see what it looks like this year. Like I said, I think we're going to do some four-man stuff. I think we're going to bring um, drop seven from time to time. I think there's a chance it can look a little bit different than it has. Not necessarily a bad thing, not necessarily a good thing, but it could just look a little bit different. And with the players we have, Ladarius Tennyson, Hashim Young, Otis Reese, all the safeties everywhere, whenever people talk about how, yes, we're going to match the defense up to the personnel or we're going to match the offense up to the personnel, that is a really simplistic way of saying we're going to tweak like the last 20% of the offense and defense. You don't practice for six months of doing things a certain way to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't recruit the cornerback coach at Arkansas. You don't get Ishim Young from Iowa State. And you don't get players like Ladarius Tennyson who are excellent box safeties unless you intend to use them that way. So, don't, don't let what you want get in the way with what's probably going to happen. People are going to say things because they're going to be reported and other teams are going to pay attention to them. So, the press conference, you can probably pick, on, pick out a tidbit or two in each and every press conference. Everything else is fluff. Players, you might get a, play, a tidbit or two. You might end up with a whole press conference with four tidbits. And understanding what those tidbits are and what they're meaning is like half the battle. And they sit there and Lane Kiffin will sit there be talking about, it's like, yeah, we drop, our, we, we match our personnel up with whatever, you know, whatever our personnel needs we're going to do. That's what he says. And everybody eats that up. And they're like, rah, 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 rah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the very next sentence, it's kind of a throwaway line that nobody's talking about. He mentions his seven-on-seven drill and then uh, mentions that, oh, it's actually seven-on-eight because we drop eight. Kind of tweaks a little bit the first part if you're expecting them to throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you just understand that it's 20%, 30% of the defense, 30% of the offense that can actually be molded to players, 
the actual operation of the defense, what they do is already ingrained. That's what all these practices are for. That's what spring's for. That's what fall camp's for. All of those things are ingrained. So it will be important, honestly, um, to match these things up. I do expect them to run some four-man this year. They didn't last year, but I expect them to run some four-man this year. Um, because they have a three technique, JJ Pegues actually um, would be a pretty talented three technique, and he's very athletic, and all of that could you know change the shape of the defense. But you're looking at that point at like a four-two-five instead of a three-two-six. It would be replacing the three technique and getting rid of one of the box safeties. That would be the personnel switch to do something like that. It wouldn't be as simplistic as you would be thinking. It wouldn't be a situation where there's only one linebacker on the field because they still need to cover everything on the field. So it should be a lot of fun. I mean, guys, this podcast is really, really fun. I really appreciate you letting me do this. I really appreciate you um, watching every day, commenting, all of that. This This is so much fun. And I just want to thank you for doing that. All the growth that we're doing. It is my intention that within 12 to 18 to 24 months, sometime in that period, to have somewhere around 5,000 subscribers and this being just a monster show. Um, that, that, that is my goal. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. doesn't matter anything about that. It's just what we're doing. And because I want to make following Ole Miss sports fun again. That's my goal. That is my motivation. If everybody asks, it's like, why is Steve doing this? That is my motivation. And that's what we do. Everything we do from TikTok and everything else is just to give you content and allow you to follow Ole Miss and have fun doing it and not cost you any money. Because I don't know if you've seen the news, but we may or may not be having a recession on the way. Well, if it gets a little bit of tight, you're still going to have almost football right here. That's the goal. So thank you very much for that. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you would. Hit the bell for notifications whenever we do a new, new video, which is quite often, and, of course, upvote the video itself. It would be greatly appreciated. And if we get to 2,000 subscribers in about three weeks, we'll do a pregame show live stream pretty simple. So if you have subscribed, thank you. Tell a friend if you haven't, please do. Thank you very much. Anyway, we're going to break away from our all football all the time. And normally we have Kara McCutcheon here or we could get John Garcia and they're going to come and do this later. But we want to do a special segment because news broke while I was recording this that Mike Bianco received a contract extension. And This is news because of what the news was in early May, in late April. It was all done. Everybody was doing autopsies and writing obituaries, and they were getting ready to do because of things they heard. And everything, I give Derek Vandegrift, who covers it for our channel. He talks about Ole Miss baseball all the time. He's very well knowledgeable. He's a fantastic resource. And he said, just let this play out. There's still a mathematical chance for them to make it into the tournament. There's still a mathematical chance for them to get to Omaha. All of the goals are still in front of us. It doesn't matter if you get 
swept by Alabama at home and all these things are happening. You are projecting. You don't know how this is going to go. This is this was Derek's position all the way through baseball season when everybody else was giving up. If you heard other people talk about this, they just was giving up on the situation. It was a foregone conclusion. It was going to happen. And, and I get that, I guess. But the one thing that Derek did, this, just the steadfast of him, was honestly pretty terrific. And Mike Bianco is extended for four years. That's a state law mandated longest contract, four years. He will make a base salary of $1.625 million annually, a raise from $1.2, so that's about a $400,000 raise. And he does have um, some performance incentives that could increase his base salary. For every season that ends in a Super Regional, his base salary would increase by $35,000. Every season that ends in the College World Series, $50,000. For every College World Series won, $100,000. So there's all kinds of escalators, but whatever it is, I do believe, I don't know this for sure, but I think this makes him like the highest paid public school college baseball coach in the country. Um, I think there's some private school guys that might make more that we we can't really confirm or deny because they don't have to do um, all the filings. But as far as public schools go, I think Mike Bianco might be towards the top. So this is a really big deal and good for him. Nobody has earned a um, coaching contract and an extension more than Mike Bianco this year. It was just a fantastic lesson of let things play out before you go ahead and, you know, minority report a situation because that's basically what happened. They were trying to minority report and play it out early and get a head start of what's going on. But he ends up winning and sneaking into the regionals and winning the regional winning the Super Regional in dominant fashion. Really dominant in the College World Series. They did lose one game to Arkansas, but even that game, they were a pop fly away from winning it. They did a really good job and got really, really hot at the right time, and it's good to see. It was It's good for Ole Miss baseball to have him around. He is the, um, without a doubt, without a doubt, the most successful baseball coach in Ole Miss baseball history. They should name the stadium for it. It should not be Oxford University Stadium anymore. It should be Mike Bianco Stadium at Swayze Field. And they're building all kinds of facilities. They're continuing to do this. amazing, the difference between, even when I went to school, the way they handled college baseball to the way they handle it now. It wasn't that long ago they were basically playing um, out by the Turner Center and what looked to be a high school-like field. And that was SEC baseball, where Swayze Field getting built, the original one, the original grandstand that stands, it was, it was such a, it was a game changer. It was a big deal. Then in 2002, I think it was, Bianco comes in, and everything turns around. It's been 20 years, and now it looks like it's going to be at least four more. So that's good for Mike Bianco. Congratulations. Nobody deserves this contract extension as much as you. Um, went through a lot this year, and you still managed to get Ole Miss to the point where they needed to be, and I will forever be in your debt. Anyway, SEC. Get more of the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen. Every day, host Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes. Make Locked On SEC your second listen.
Locked on SEC. Anyway, that'll be our show today. Thank you for tuning in. Tomorrow, um, we're going to have Kara McCutcheon and Tom Vanderford, if he fills up for it. We're going to work on getting John Garcia over the weekend or maybe into next week. We want to talk about the commitments that just came, but he's a busy dude as well. Any interviews that are done, you can catch an interview archive during the weekend. We're going to re-release those, and um, I hope everybody has a good time. It's almost here. Preseason game two, or preseason game one in two days. It's awesome. Anyway, hotty toddy.